I want you to imagine right now if you were to enter into eternity and you were to see Jesus and you were to see him with his arms open wide and you were to, to see him welcoming not, not a whole bunch of people, but just you. And imagine what that would look like and uh, what kind of feelings you'd have at that point in time. Would it, would it be completely just like immense joy or would there be some re- maybe some remorse or some second thoughts about maybe things that he might have seen that you, you know he saw because, of course, he sees everything. Um, when Peter writes First Peter, he writes to uh, a church that is enduring persecution from the outside primarily. That's the main, the main thing. And, and not only just persecution from, from people who are not Christians, but uh, as Pastor Tri was talking about, there's this lion and there's, there's the enemy and he has, uh, he has his sights set on Christians. Second Peter, as we move into Second Peter, is different in some ways. Peter then writes to the church, and he writes it for a purpose to encourage them to keep their eyes focused on Jesus because of what was going on within the church, not outside the church. So the first, first Peter was about the persecution from the outside. Second Peter primarily is about false teaching and some of the things that will derail the church from the inside. And what had happened is through Gnosticism and other things, teachers had come in. And one of the main themes that they had taught about and were teaching that was false was that Jesus wasn't going to come back. That there was no coming back of Jesus. There was no reception of Jesus. You were never going to see what I just had you picture. And so as we move into Second Peter, recognize that Peter has a, a real purpose in writing to his church because without having that, that idea that Jesus is coming back and that really that he can come back at any time. Um, those of you who, who maybe as uh, children, uh, maybe your brothers and sisters, were always on the lookout for when the parents show up. So uh, parents go out for the evening and there's kind of always that, that mindful uh, thought, well, when are the parents going to come home? In a sense, for us, it's completely different because we are looking forward to when we get to see Jesus. And so as we look forward to that, that has actually a, a not only a, a, a purifying effect on our lives, but it also gives us a focus. Because if you know that we're going to see Jesus and that there's going to be this reception and we want to hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant, it changes the way that we live here and it changes the way that we want to do things in order to please him. So as we move into Second Peter, just recognize that Second Peter is a book that is written for us to look forward to something, but Peter is preparing us for what he has in front of us. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this reason... Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, 
and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter starts out, and as he begins, he says, he's a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. And as we talked about what an apostle is, it's one who had actually seen Jesus and, and, and actually walked with him and then saw the, the, the ascension. And then also, as he came back to be with his disciples and apostles later, and there was, a, there was just a, a specific few that Jesus chose to really build his life into who would go on to spread his word throughout the whole world. And as he says, he's not only an apostle, but he also says that he's a servant. And you can see this theme as Peter preaches, that we are very much the same as Peter. And he doesn't separate himself. Even though he says he's an apostle, he also says he's a servant. And he says, To those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. So he says, even though we're apostles and we receive this faith, our faith is no different than your faith. Jeff's faith is the same as Peter's faith. Less faith is the same as Peter's faith. It is the, it is the full, it is complete, and it is um, the, on the same par as anyone. So as Peter explains that to those, of, to those of us who are saved, to those of us who know Jesus Christ, we have received this faith. And some of us are sitting in our homes right now, and we're, we're watching this online and we have received that faith. And there's a good chance that there are people sitting even in here or who are maybe who are sitting at home who don't have this faith, who have never really given themselves to Christ. They, they've never gotten to the point where uh, they have understood that their sins have separated them from God and that the only provision that God has made is his son Jesus, who could die on the cross in their place to pay for their sins. And that is how we receive this precious faith that he's going to go on and talk about is that we have a, a time when we say I do where we, we come down this kind, of, uh, this kind of spiritual altar where God woos us and he brings us closer and closer as we recognize we can't be perfect and that we continue to sin. And even though we try, we, we sin again. And we get to a point where we go, you know what, God, I can't be holy. And he's like, yeah, exactly. I wanted you to get to the point where you knew that you needed me. And as Jesus is our, is our groom, we put the ring on, that commitment to him that we will follow him for the rest of our lives. And that, that will be an eternal thing. And that as we experience this faith that Peter put the ring on as well, we experience this uh, union with Christ that we walk through. So that when we read our Bible, it all of a sudden makes sense. And when we hear things, we can discern them through the power of the Holy Spirit who comes into us when we put that ring on. This faith is so, so genuine, and yet it's so intimate. It's, it's very different for each one of us as we experience how God wooed us and brought us to this point. He goes on, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of our, and of our Jesus, our Lord. 
There's this idea that grace, charis, it's this just like you just got dumped a bunch of presents on you. Just completely couldn't even believe it. Your tree, your Christmas tree was just was completely full. So God has given us this unbelievable gift, uh, not only of eternal life, but all of the promises uh, that, that come with that. But also what comes with that is peace. And in a world that is lacking of peace as it is right now, we need we need peace. We need Jesus' peace. Um, John 16, 33, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So Jesus gives us grace and he gives us peace. It's a part of this relationship that he has with us that we enjoy with him, that he is our source of peace and joy. He goes on to explain how we deepen our relationship with him. And how we live this out so that when we see Jesus and, and, and he's welcoming us in, we, we can say to ourselves, we, we ran this race the way he wanted us to, and there'll be a rich welcome. It says, his divine power has given us everything we need for godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. God's power is one of the things he promises us. He not only promises us eternal life and to answer our prayers and a list of other things, but he promises us his power. Now, where does his power come from on an everyday basis? How do I experience the power of God in my life on an everyday basis? Primarily through the Holy Spirit. Um, Ben Keller and Chad Baker's study right now is a Francis Chan. It's on Wednesday nights, 6.30. Be, love, love it if you could join us. It's the, un, the, the forgotten God. And when you think of, at least growing up, honestly, I, I remember hearing the, you know, the Trinity. There's a Father, there's a Son, and there's a Holy Spirit. We didn't talk about the Holy Spirit very much. We really didn't. We, we just didn't, we didn't talk about it. We talked about the Father a lot. Talk about Jesus some, and I realize the church is a little different than I grew up in, but we didn't talk about the Holy Spirit much. In fact, a lot of times the Holy Spirit was sort of off limits. Like, well, we don't know much about that one, so we shouldn't, we shouldn't mess with it. But Dumas, power, the Holy Spirit is our source of power. And so as we live and we're indwelled by the Holy Spirit and realize that that is what God has given us so that we, no matter where we go, his church goes, his bride goes. And, and so in some ways, you know, we're sad that Jesus left and, and I just wish that Jesus could be here. But Jesus said, unless I go, the Holy Spirit can't come. And boy, you realize that God's plan was is to take one, one son of his and to spread that love into other people so that they could go out through the whole world. And how were they powered as they go out through the whole world? His Holy Spirit indwells each one of us. And that's where we have the power to do the things that he wants us to do. And it also is the way that we have an intimate connection with, the, with Jesus and with the Father as well. And so we have received this intimate relationship with Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit as he indwells us. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires." Now, if I had to ask you, what are some of God's precious promises? And I wish I could throw Snickers, but this whole COVID thing has kind of curbed that. But what are, name a promise that God has given us, his people, in his word. 
What? Never leave us or forsake us. Very important. Our assurance that he will never leave us or forsake us. So important as we're going through difficulty, as we're facing the end of our life, or as we're, we're, we're walking through that with someone else. What else? Eternal life. Not just that he won't leave us here, but what? That we have to look forward to eternal life. What else? What burdened you before you came to Christ? What? Say it, Tom. Free from guilt. Free from guilt. Forgiveness. You, you're, you're human, uh, your human people may not really forgive you, but God promises, I will forgive you. And how far are your sins going to be separated? Okay, and we, are, we have these promises, and we could go on about the promises that he has made. Those promises that he has made are given to us are through that intimate relationship that we have with Jesus. That's how that's afforded to us. That's how that works. And so as he, he talks about this idea that we have these great and precious promises, we understand that we, we participate in the divine nature by having the Holy Spirit inside of us, and we experience forgiveness in a way that the world never experiences. Think of how you were before Christ. It's so hard to remember that. It's kind of like those of you who've been, maybe had not had kids for a long time, or maybe you have kids right now, you can't remember what it was like to not have kids. And you're like, man, what was it like when we just went on a date? I didn't have to get a babysitter or worry about anything else. We can't remember how it was before we came to Christ sometimes. There was nothing that I could do for my sin. I continually had to just fail and fail and fail. But now we participate in this divine nature where the Holy Spirit is inside of us. And now we just confess it. Lord, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. I don't want to repeat that, but thank you for taking that off of my slate because you have imputed to me your righteousness. For this reason, and it's important whenever it says because or for this reason that we understand of what, just, what he was just saying. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness Mutual affection and mutual affection, love. Wow, he says, because we participate in the godly nature, because we have this relationship with Jesus, and because we're working this out, we need to grow in these things to add to our faith. Now, faith is an assurance of things hoped for and a conviction of things not seen. So we can't see Jesus. We're hoping that he's going to come and and raise, raise his arms and say, well done, my good and faithful servant, and that is faith. But adding to faith now, he says, I want you to add more than just faith. Don't stop at faith. I want you to grow even more. And so he says, add to faith goodness. So this is a Christian virtue that that as you see someone grow, you see this more and more in their life. And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, he says, self-control. And self-control, perseverance. And perseverance, godliness. And godliness, mutual affection. And mutual affection, love. And then you realize these are all Christian virtues that he's saying that, that we need to grow in. And how do we grow in those things? Well, I would say this. As we are empowered by the Holy Spirit and we submit to the Holy Spirit, we grow in those things. God grows those virtues in our lives And if you've known someone who 
has come to know the Lord for, and you've known them for a longer period of time, you will see a change in their life. True or false? Absolutely. And you just need to know someone. There, there's someone here in church right now who, who I, small groups, it's so important. So important. They're so important because you grow and you get to see others grow. And it's not all about you either. It's about seeing other people grow because sometimes that's an encouragement for you to grow. So having said that little commercial break, which is super important, there's someone who is here in this, in this church right now who, who has questions about whether or not his faith is even, man, do I even have faith? And yet everybody around that person can see a change. Everyone. And so when the question came up in small group, man, I don't know whether, I, I don't know or not, other people are like, no, I can see this. This is changing. This is your goodness, your godliness. You're, you, are, you are on a path that is different than it was before. And that's what Peter is saying. Our virtues should change as we grow in our faith, because faith is the beginning point to which these things come. And so the fruits of that happen. And so how do we practice mutual affection and love? Uh, not in a romantic way, but as, we're, as, as Christians. How do we do that? We got to be around people. And what a great place to be around people other than on Sunday morning, but on Monday night or on Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever, the, whatever group we have, I think we're going to have almost every night here pretty soon where there's something going on, two on Thursday groups. Friday morning, women's studies, three new women's studies coming up. Wow, if someone says to me, I just don't know where I should do, go to grow, I would just say, you need to get in one of those groups so that you can not only get your faith grown, so, but you can practice goodness and understand what knowledge really is, and that you can develop self-control as you see other people, and, and as you develop perseverance, and this, this mutual affection for one another as you care for one another in this, in this realm of kind of a small little church between maybe six or five and 14 or 20 people possibly. Boy, small groups are huge to be able to put this into practice. Intentional. If it's going to get done, it better be what? It better be intentional, or it probably won't happen. In the same way, faith by itself, James says, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. What is he saying? Boy, faith that's genuine, the fruit of that faith is going to produce some, some kind of a action, which is the fruit of faith. Matthew 7, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. rock. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. It's putting, in the practice, the, putting into practice what we know. So you may be a gee whiz in the Bible, but you haven't actually gone to the point where like, you're a hearer of the word, but you're not really a doer of the word. And how does that happen? It usually happens in the context of other people. In, 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 in a relationship. Maybe, maybe it's two or three people together, or maybe it's a, it's a group of people. But typically, intentional practice happens when we're in a group of people. Some of the virtues of faith. Knowledge, as I said, is the application of... Or wisdom is the application of knowledge. Self-control is not giving into worldly desires. It's driving by Dairy Queen seven times and not, not actually going through the drive-thru. That's self-control. I know I shouldn't do it, but I, and so that's the Holy Spirit inside of you. Perseverance, steadfast, steadfastness, that's James 1, 2, 3, 3. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Why would that be good? He says, because you know that the testing of your faith 
produces this Christian virtue called perseverance. And as you are tested over and over and over again, it becomes stronger. Godliness, living by the Spirit, under the power of the Holy Spirit, submitting to the Spirit, and then brotherly affection and love, which is loving one another the way the Bible tells us to. Spiritual growth often produces spiritual fruit, and also the whole point of it is to have an intimate relationship with Christ. And so a lot of times as we are growing in our faith, the intimacy that we have with, the, with, the, uh, with Jesus grows. It says, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, these virtues that we just talked about, knowledge, steadfastness, perseverance, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know that you could be ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of Jesus Christ? You can be. You can know Jesus, and really the result of that knowledge is not necessarily going to spill out in anything else. And it's kind of this idea that I'm saved, and what's in it for me? And, and not really going on intentionally to grow in our faith so that we are fruitful. Because God saved us not to just save us, but to send us. And you don't see, Great Commission isn't about, you, you know, just... Just be saved and sit. The Great Commission is what? Not only to be discipled, but to disciple others. And so we see this as we have an experience with Jesus as we grow closer to him. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Have you ever come to the point where, where you're just convicted of sin? It's like, okay, that is, that is just dead wrong. And you realize that you have gone down a trail, and you're like, wow, I just went down that trail. And, and, and it, there was this kind of almost like a nearsightedness. You just couldn't see beyond it. But you realize that doing, doing what you were doing was completely kind of uh, taking and just ignoring everything around you, and including your relationship with the Lord. And you'll see that as people turn back to the Lord, you'll see this understanding of, this, this understanding of not only the fact that they were selfish, but also that they had forgotten kind of why they were living. And so it says, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins, how valuable to you was it that Jesus died for you? How valuable was it? When you think about it, Teresa? Very. Immeasurable. How valuable? Immeasurable. Eternal, for that matter. And then you realize the fact that we forget that because we get myopia is what it's called, nearsightedness. And it's just the idea that we just can't see beyond. It's like, oh, wow, you know what? There's something bigger here. And if our goal is just to meet our needs for this present time, this maybe the next, I don't know. I was just sharing with Mitch, who knows how many you know, days we have together. But if it's just for this present time, how nearsighted is that? When eternity, how long is eternity? Yeah, eternity. It's kind of like when, when you, <laughs> I think of mothers and they're trying to eat right and do those things right, and they're, they're carrying this baby that's going to be, it's going to be, have this long life, and they just, you know, I want to have the best for my baby. And I think that's such a, such a great farsightedness. Like, okay, that's looking out in the future. And that's sacrificing for what's to come, Right? And it's this idea that we're going to forego some things now because for the benefit of the future. 
And so Peter is saying, you know what? We can be nearsighted and blind. We can get our eyes fixed on what's here and now and then forget about what's in the future. And we have a relationship with Jesus now, but we have a relationship that we will enjoy forever and ever and ever. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, and he calls them brothers and sisters. This is Peter. I'm going to give you the keys, right? Peter says, my brothers and my sisters. He's just talking to his people. Make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And what he's saying is this. You know what? As you live through the power of the Holy Spirit, and as, you, as your life is obviously changed by, uh, by the way that you live, your calling and election are confirmed that way. Are you changing? I would ask, I would ask you two, two questions. They're the same. Are you, are you living out your calling and election? Same question as this. Are you changing? Are you growing? Those are two same questions. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, are you growing? Are you submitting? And as Ben's, uh, Ben was sharing at the small group, Francis Chan study about the forgotten God, you realize that the secret, the dumas, the power of change is in the Holy Spirit and how much we actually appropriate that Holy Spirit into our lives. And do we submit to it every morning saying, you know what? I'm going to try to live through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's going to determine my steps and my decisions as we were talking about in group. Is, and everything that, that I do is, is run through the grid of the Holy Spirit and asking for input as to what that looks like for this day that we have to live. And finally... And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Jesus, Lord, Jesus, Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we confirm that calling and election, and we realize that at one point in time, Jesus, we are going to see Jesus. I don't know what it's going to be exactly, but maybe his arms will be wide open. He'll say, Carla, come over here. Well done, my good and faithful servant. And there will be a welcoming that happens, and to the degree that we're faithful, we will sense man, I've run the race. I, I've, I've fought the fight. I've, I've, I've intentionally developed these virtues of goodness, knowledge, perseverance, self-control, godliness, mutual affection, love. I've intentionally built those things through the power of the Holy Spirit as I've spent time in the Word and spent time in prayer and spent time with other people in community, not just maybe Sunday mornings, but other groups. Some applications. Have you received a faith as precious as the Apostle Peter's? That's pretty, bold. That's pretty bold, isn't it? Have you received a faith that is as precious as Peter's? And if you're, if you're at home right now and you haven't, you just need to know it's as simple as saying, I admit that I have sinned. I believe that Jesus did die on the cross for my sins, and I choose to, to follow Jesus Christ. I choose to have him as my Lord and Savior. That's, we all come in the same way, and no one comes in another way. It is he, is, he is the gate. He is the sheep gate. Have you received grace and peace in abundance through having an intimate knowledge of Christ who is the source of your power, growth, and his many precious promises, which is forgiveness, eternal life, that he is going to hold us through anything? Do you have myopia? I just want to have you self-diagnose yourself right now. Do you have myopia? Are you nearsighted? Do you tend to focus on things here and now? Are you looking ahead 40 years or 100 years or 150 years? And how much are you spending your effort on today versus 
there. Just a challenge for all of us. Will you make a spirit-directed, intentional effort to grow in your faith in Jesus Christ, growing in faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love, making your calling and election sure, and receiving a rich welcome into his kingdom? I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it so much. The song that we sang, Come to the Altar, love that song. Man, I love that song. What's the, what's the one part of that song that I like the best? Was it say, bear your cross as you wait for your crown. Tell the world of the treasure you found. That's a really good synopsis of our calling and election. To bear under some of these things with godliness, goodness, and these virtues. But we're, we're looking forward to Jesus coming through and coming through the door and with his arms open wide and that treasure that we found, we share with other people. That's the, that's the goodness of God to us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your grace and your peace as Peter prayed for these people in Second Peter. God, that you would give us this precious promise that you will never leave us or forsake us, that we have forgiveness of our sins, that you will answer our prayers that we have eternity to look forward to, that we are richer than anyone could possibly be here on earth. All of these promises, thank you for them. Thank you that we have, your, we have faith in you, that your son has given us uh, all of these things, the riches of Christ. And thank you, Father, that as we live these things out and we add on to faith, these virtues of goodness, godliness, and holiness and self-control, that we grow closer and closer to the likeness of your son, Jesus Help us to grow into a place where we grow so much like him that people around us see the change in our lives and they realize that there's, there's a calling in our lives, that we are all priests, that we are priests that are uh, really just a Bible to someone who doesn't know you yet. Help us to see our lives not from a myopic pr perspective, nearsightedness, that the here and now and the troubles of this world and the headlines and the news and everything else, but that we can see far, that we can see the distant where we recognize that we don't belong here, that we belong to you and your kingdom, and we look forward to that. And as we, as we are looking forward to that, strengthen us, Father, through the power of your Holy Spirit to live the kind of life that would be a glorifying to you, that would give you glory, and that would bring other people that would attract them to you as well. And we just pray this in your Son's name. Amen.